Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Blazer Victory Podcast. This is John Duncan, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Darian Smith. And we are coming to you live from the Atlantis Resort at the Bahamas. Look, look how much fun we are having, John, on this <laughs> resort. <laughs> I'm telling you, hey, only in our dreams, right? Yeah, I'm in I'm in this resort in um in Warrior, Alabama. Uh, <laughs> Same here, bro. Same here. Yeah, that's where I'm at right now. So Oh man. Well guys, we've got a bowl game this Friday, I almost said afternoon, really Friday morning at ten thirty AM as our UAB Blazers take on the Miami, Ohio Red Hawks. But before we get into that previewing that matchup, just a Friendly reminder, if you are not subscribed to the Blazer Victory podcast, wherever you're listening to us right now, whether that's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio, wherever, Podbean, hit that subscribe or follow button so you do not miss any future episodes of the Blazer Victory podcast. And also, more importantly, too, make sure you share the Blazer Victory podcast with a friend or two and just help spread the word that, you know, we been covering UAB uh, football and basketball, UAB sports for a, f- a couple years now. And, you know, we've grown, you know, a lot over these last couple years, but definitely think that we can grow some more. So definitely share us with a couple of UAB friends and mm-hmm. share man, the content. Man, well, first thing to that, I, I got to get my kids in here to do the, this, this spot. Well, you know, kids nowadays, they watch a lot of YouTube. Mm-hmm. So my kids like to go like, hey, guys. Hit that like button down below. <laughs> subscribe, subscribe. What are y'all doing, man? Man, they they know it better than we do. Yeah, they like yeah, and make sure you buy merch. But you know they 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 know about the you know how to buy it. They know what merch is and all that stuff. I'm just like wow, like you guys are way ahead of us. And man, we we'll see. I'm I'm just ready. I'm ready to see. Uh, I'm ready to see how the team focuses and dials in on this game. We're going to be in the Bahamas. Me too. And um, I'm just, I'm happy for the kids. I'm happy that they get to go on this trip. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a free all-inclusive trip, man. <laughs> it is, man. I'm telling you. And for the coaching, hey, for the coaching staff too, like they all get to spend, you know, the week together and, you know, for one more time and just have fun. And yeah, there's a football game, but hey, I mean, you know, they've they've earned the right to go to this Bahamas Bowl. So definitely enjoy yourself, you know? I mean, you know, make memories. That's that's what it's for. Man, you know, I I hate to say this. I almost feel it almost feels as if that the football game is secondary, <laughs> you know? Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's my fear too. But hey, honestly, man, at this point. Oh, I hope we don't have any Miami, Ohio. Well, I'm sure we'll have a couple of Miami fans listening. But, I mean, is there any point to the game? I mean, like. We, we, we up there to, to enjoy, and, and, and this group of guys will never be again uh, together again. You know, Grayson Cash and all of the. Will C- Bowler, yeah. Bowler and all, all these guys that we have on the team. This, this group of guys, guys that we appreciate so much. And everything they've been through as part of this team and how they've helped us elevate to this level, we'll never see this group of guys uh, together again. So, yes, they they get to play the game that they love and with the teammates they love together one more time. You know, that's a that's a special memory to cherish. They get to do that in the Bahamas. You know, hopefully they get to stay a night or two. You know, after the game, 
and you get to just have fun, like go out, experience, and um, and hopefully after a good win. Uh, unfortunately, I think after the game they have to hurry up and fly home. <laughs> but, they, but they are, hey, they are in the Bahamas now Monday, so they've got Monday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, to enjoy Atlantis and all all the Bahamas, you know, has to offer. And then they have the game Friday morning, and I believe they fly back that day. They might get to stay Friday night, but I'm I'm pretty sure they have to fly back that that evening, Friday evening. Um, yeah. But, you know, hey, we'll still review, uh, preview the game. Don't worry. We did an elusive uh, film study, um, so, <laughs> you know, studying the Miami, Ohio Redhawks. And, and honestly, hey, we had uh, Steve Helwick on uh, a great interview. You know, he covers the Mac for Hustle Belt and also the group of five for Underdog Dynasty. You know, he's been doing this for a few years. He does a great job. Uh, if you are not following Steve Helwick on Twitter, uh, follow him at S underscore Helwick, H-E-L-W-I-C-K. Does a great job, like I said. Um, but before we get into, you know, rolling that interview and giving our predictions and previewing the Bahamas Bowl game, Darian, there's been some things happening. Uh, the first thing we want to say is that there has been another uh, – Trent Dilfer has announced a uh, his defensive coordinator. It is Sayone Taufa'o. And, you know, this is a guy that comes from uh, Lipscomb Academy where, you know, he was Trent Dilfer's uh, defensive coordinator for several years. I mean, this is – um, you know, a guy that has also helped Trent Dilfer out with Elite 11 Academy. Um, you know, so he has a lot of experience working with Trent Dilfer. Um, so I'm excited to see what he does, you know, finally at the college level. But um, I don't know. Any thoughts, Darian, on this uh, defensive coordinator hire? Yeah, this is the hire that's like, I can see why some fans are like, hold up, man. This one is a little scary. Yeah. Um, because you we're at this level. We're at the D1 level. Um, moving up to the AAC, good quality football, and um, you know, just to have a guy that's never been a a coordinator, period, as far as in um in the college level, in the college ranks. Um, and then if you go to his page, it's like QB coach. He's like, wait, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like wait, hold, hold on, like, but. You know, just saying what he did at Lipscomb and um, and that he just knows ball. Like, so the best thing you can do is just kind of look around and see what people say about about people. And, uh, you know, a, a whole bunch of his fans, um, people that support him, you know, especially from Lipscomb. They was like, oh, no, this guy is great. Just hearing Trent talk about him, calling him is like the finest coach he's ever been around. He's had the privilege to coach with. He had nothing but the highest praise for him. Um, so you tend to trust um, those football minds and say, okay, it must be something to this, you know, and just hearing Trent. I really like uh, what's that was on Cole and Kubelik. Is that was, was that he on Cole and uh, it's a, Yeah, shout out to uh, Mac and Cube with uh, Greg McElroy and Cole and Yeah, shout out. Man, so Mac and Cube. Um, just seeing Trent really talk ball, like talk football, it was. It gets you excited. It, it definitely yes. gets you excited. Yes, because he was really getting getting into the weeds of it. Trent is really good. Like, I mean, he was on ESPN, but he is really, really, really good at talking. Like that is mm-hmm. he is, and that is part of uh, a skill, a part of being a head coach. Like, you know, I played under Neil Callaway, and that was Neil Callaway could not talk 
to the public to save his life. <laughs> Poor Neil. <laughs> he could not. He just could not. And I honestly think that's what doomed him because as a communicator, he just wasn't good. I think he was, a, you know, would have been a good position coach, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a communic- a head coach guy, he just did not have that at all. Garrick McGee was horrible at that too. Um, so Trent coming in and just um, – being able to display his knowledge in such a in such a way to where it can translate to the public to where we can understand that's really impressive. At the same time, he's able to flex his knowledge, mm-hmm. and so just having a football mind like that, vouching so hard, like the highest praise he could have, um, it, it it made me say, okay, let me let me push my fears to the side because there's obviously something that they see that he sees that's more than meets the eye so I think this is one that we we just need to wait and see and then we need to wait and and see what kind of pull he has on recruits like yes you know we haven't heard him talk yet um I want to see what kind of guys he's able to bring in who's who he's able to connect to and go from there and yeah, we're and we're definitely about to get into some recruiting talk um, in a minute. But before we do, Darian, I, w- I want to give a shout out to Football Scoop because they posted this that um, you know over the past three seasons at Lipscomb Academy, and again this is high school football, but still Talfa O's defense pitched fourteen shutouts in those three seasons. Fourteen just straight shutouts. That's impressive, man. I don't care what, kind of, what level of ball. You, I, I know it's high school. You know, but still, 14 shutouts, like, the t- other team, the opposing team didn't score a field goal in 14. Like, come on now, that that is impressive. And for him to be with Trent Dilfer for so long, and, you know, as we mentioned earlier, the Elite 11 Academy, like, obviously Trent trusts him. So it's definitely, like Darian just said, it's going to be a wait-and-see approach because I know how crazy, I know UAB fans, what you're screaming inside your head right now listening to this podcast. Everybody coming from Lipscomb, coaches, players, water boy, water girl, everybody coming from Lipscomb. They might even bring the mask on on too. But just be patient. Like yeah. we, it's a wait and see approach. And <laughs> as we mentioned a couple episodes before, Darian, this is either going to turn out really great <laughs> or really bad. And we both right. agree there's not going to be any in between. So, but I'm excited. Hey, I mean, I, you know, like Darren mentioned, hey, hearing him on that show, hearing him on a couple other, hearing Trent Differ on a couple other shows, the man knows his X's and O's. He was on ESPN as an analyst for a reason. He played in the NFL for years, won a Super Bowl with the Baltimore Ravens for a reason. The guy knows football. He took over a terrible Lipscomb Academy program, turned it into one of the best high school programs in the nation. So hey, let's let's give the man a chance, okay? Right. I, I I think he, I think Bill Clark was has been hands down like the best uh, talking communicator as a football coach UAB has ever had. I think Trent, I think Trent even clears Bill as far as in like the media relations, like the way he can talk, the way you know he's been trained in that. Like that, that is just what he does. Like Bill was just. Uh, a, a easy person to talk to as far he was a coach that could talk you know um 
Trent is a coach, yes, but he's also a media personality. And so mm-hmm. the guy can talk, he can communicate, he, I, he can make you feel like you're just running through a wall for him. And so I'm just excited to see him um, on his, um, you know, get out there and recruit because I'm like, man, this guy, he, I don't, he, he made a, he found a way to get the fan base behind him so quick because of his words and he knew how to use them. He knew what to attack, you know, he, he knew what to dive into, you know, not run away from like, he, he's just really, really good at communicating. And I think that transfer, we talk about recruiting, the way he has recruited this team, you know, everybody was like, wow, let's keep an eye on UAB. You know, all of the, the media coverage that we had about the team and the letter and everything, you know, um, about how the coach, how the team wanted Coach Vincent so bad. And we was just going to expect, you know, an exodus of players. Well, you know, I think rumors of our demise has been greatly exaggerated when it yeah. comes when it comes to that. Um and we have Malik Bryan and um Iverson Hooks. I was I was excited to see Iverson Hooks. I'm not gonna lie. I think I thought he was gonna be a fine player. Yeah, he really popped off fall camp. Um he yeah he 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 was gonna be really good, I think. So he'll, you know, if he chooses to, you know, go elsewhere, he'll 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 be good for any team that picks him up. I I, I know that. Um also, I think uh, Darren Cannon has also entered the portal. Um, I believe I'm looking for his official tweet. I don't see that, but I remember seeing that last week. Um, so th- really, that's what just two to three players right now that have entered the portal. Um, now, granted, hey, you know we'll we'll definitely find out after the Bahamas Bowl. Um, you know, after the bowl game's over, who else? If there's anybody else going to enter the portal, we'll see. Um, but. Darren, let's let's just kind of go into recruiting. Um, so, you know, I'm sure all Blazer fans have seen on Twitter, um, Emmanuel Waller has uh, shut down his recruitment and reaffirmed his uh, decision to uh, be a UAB commit. And I tell you what, um, you know, I saw Steve's article. Shout out Steve Irvine, um, 1819 News. Great job. You know, how about Emmanuel Waller? Just everywhere you see, you know, if, if a UAB uh, if UAB targets a, a person and they get an offer. Emmanuel is one of the first ones on Twitter saying, hey, come join us. Come join UAB. Like He's already out there recruiting and trying to sell the program. And you love to see that as a former player, right, Darian? Like seeing somebody else trying to bring other people into the uh, into the South Side to UAB. Right. And he's a guy that he's not just some like guy that barely, you know, one offer no. type of guy. <laughs> he's got multiple offers around the nation. You know, he's a highly coveted player. But he's been such a great ambassador. For the program, he talks well. He uh, he he's able to communicate his thoughts really well, and um, I like to see his. He has a he has a vision, you know. He you know I saw him tweet like they want to take it to the next level, like they want this to be bigger, and it seems like he is the perfect guy to like be the ambassador for Trent because that's Trent. You know, Trent was talking about the the playoffs being in the playoffs by year two, like, so you need guys like Emmanuel Waller to really, he's, he's already bought in, like, mm-hmm. he's already bought in, but not only has he bought in the type of kid he is, the type of hard worker and the way that he, he's just a smart kid. This is not, this is not just some kid that you're getting that, 
you know, that doesn't know how to talk or formulate his thoughts well. He is very, he's just able to get it across well. And that's the guy you want to be your ambassador. And um, it's good to have that guy and have him be able to play with, probably be your highest rated recruit as of now. So just seeing him shut down his recruitment and just basically recruit other guys. I saw the article, you know, he was, he's playing in a North-South All-Star game. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, they was talking about how him and um, Christopher Bracy, yes, the other guy, they they both are playing in the All Star game, and how they can, you know, now they they now that they've shut down their recruitment, they both can go down and recruit at the All Star game, you know, and um, I believe Connor Knight, you yes. know, <laughs> he was he was he's playing in that game as well. And um, Connor Knight is a, you know, he's a, a defensive tackle. You know, he has scholarships, Power Five, all of that. Was committed to USL, decommitted, and UAB hopped all over there from Hewitt Trustville. Husky fast. Yep, Husky fast, and we were able to snag him. He committed uh, today. Um, so that's that's the kind of like, you know, that's these are the type of quality commits that we need. Like these guys are Power Five guys. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, we, we need these type of guys, especially coming up from high school, being in the program for years, let them let them marinate and develop. And, uh, man, shoot, I'm looking at some of the other guys that we got that we done had on official visits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you some know, talented guys, talented prospects, man. Man, we got some talent. So, it, you know, even if we're able to get, like, uh, defensive tackle and the edge rusher like that's we need just like two more defensive linemen to make this like the perfect like a perfect d-line recruiting class if we can get like four of those guys i'll be so excited like man we got some <laughs> we got some hitters coming in you know you know on that d-line because the games are won in the trenches like you know and then you have the and then you have the skilled guys to come in and just take it over the top you know what i'm saying you got you need the base the base formula to win is in the trenches, but then you get those playmakers. Mm-hmm. And I've been seeing, I've been seeing this coaching staff go after wide receivers. That's something that um, we've been looking for for more of, like dy- dynamic playmakers. I yeah. Wish. And um, because you know, under the offense that we've had, it's kind of been like we have one receiver to really stand out and supporting roles. Well, I think with the offense that we'll have, I think a lot of guys will be able to show their, their their abilities, man. I think I think we have one. I think we already have one on the team in our boy Fred Farrier. So yes, yes. But yeah, so, so I'm I'm excited to see like what the offense will be, uh, what the defense will be, um, how. Like the guys that we bring in, we're seeing offers flying all over the place. We're, you know, I'm starting to see the offensive line um, offers roll in now, and um, so I'm seeing the offers come. I'm seeing the offers come, and um, I think the next guy to um, to watch is the wide receiver from Pinson. Oh yeah, we're in this top four. Yeah, we're in this top four, and I'm seeing him liking, you know, liking coming on. On some stuff, the uh, UAB related uh, as far as guys committing and everything. I'm, you know, I'm feeling like we got a good shot there, you know, and that'll be good. Um, 
and we have a lot of other guys um, that they brought in. I, I think we're having a big a big recruiting weekend coming up, you know, according to Steve's article. Yes, and this we weekend. Are, yeah, this weekend coming up, and we already brought in a lot of dogs this weekend. And I just love the guys that we're we're targeting. You know, we're we're going after it, man. It's not we're not settling for scraps. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we're not settling for guys that well, we we can't compete with this team. You know, we'll just get this guy. I was like, no, we we in the mix. We're right in the mix, and we get we we. I feel like we're gonna get guys, and it's gonna take some time. But I, the way, the reason I believe in his recruiting philosophy is because what he was able to do with this team, with this current, there was no team in America poised to lose more more kids than us. Agreed. And then I, then I started looking at the transfer portal. And I'm I'm seeing all these other teams. I'm seeing Clemson, Alabama, you know, Virginia, Virginia Tech, all these other teams losing so many people. But here we are. <laughs> like we was one of the, the steady teams in the nation. And to me, that spoke volumes. Yeah. That spoke of, volumes um, about his ability to recruit. And one thing to keep in mind too, yes, this weekend is gonna be a huge uh, recruiting weekend at UAB. Um as you know, you just mentioned Steve Irvine wrote in his uh, article. Uh but hey, early signing day is next Wednesday, the twenty first. So <laughs> uh you, you know, a lot is going to happen this next week and a half leading up to uh leading up to next Wednesday. So but I definitely one hundred percent agree with you, Darian. I love the approach that uh, Trent Dilfer and the guys on uh, this staff um have already taken, you know, already uh, going after elite talent, um, you know, re-recruiting some of the big guys uh, that we had, like Emmanuel Waller, you know, just making sure that, hey, you know, this is, you know, this isn't the previous coaching staff, but we want you to know it's still going to be a family here at UAB. So I love that aspect. Uh, but, yeah, I can't wait to see what happens this weekend to see if we can get a couple a uh, couple more big dogs, um, you know, commit to UAB. And, Next Wednesday's the big day. You know, normally we wait till, uh, you know, February, uh, but I feel like this early signing day has really kind of changed everything, you know, along going right along with the transfer portal. Uh, but yeah, next Wednesday's going to be a huge day for UAB as uh, early signing day is next Wednesday, December the 21st. So, and you got, you got to think, hey, yeah, the Bahamas Bowl may not mean a lot to, you know, some people, but hey, I bet a bunch of those potential recruits are going to be watching Friday at 1030. Seeing UAB on ESPN, <laughs> right, right. They're gonna be looking at that. I think we have a good base of the team that we have. Like Trent, Trent went about this the right way. Mm-hmm. They're gonna be looking at it, and they're gonna. I think those guys are gonna. I think those guys are gonna have some fun and win that game and and show the togetherness. And the, as a recruit, those are things you like to see. You like to see how how much a vibe the team has together as a family, you know, are they really brothers? Like they say they are like every, every program says that every program, but it's, it's different when you go to a program and you see them actually like each other, <laughs> you know, and that's, yeah. this is really a thing. Like, you know, it, it, all coworkers don't like each other. <laughs> that's, that's just what it is. So, if you go to a team and you just see them like ride for each other, like to talk with, like to talk with each other, just have fun. It's something. It's a culture that you just want to, you want to be a part of. Like, um, like I said, I mentioned before, I posted four star recruits and stuff before, 
And, you know, believe it or not, they like they like what we did as a off the field, as togetherness as a team. We were together as a team under Callaway. You know, I just don't think we had the direction, but and we didn't have the facilities. So. Yeah. And so ultimately, they couldn't commit to us because of the facilities, and I felt them on that. I'm like, well, dude, you got an offer from South Carolina. Like, I get it. Like, I wouldn't commit because we we got a dentist office. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, now now we have all of that remedy. We've turned that from a weakness to a strength. And so, if you you know, you actually have guys that like each other, that want to be here, that has a a bigger vision, a bigger, a bigger mission, not only for not only the current players, but the leader of this recruiting class has a huge vision. Like shout out to Emmanuel Waller, man. Like I think that's so, so important. And I see him as like a a leader for this for this program going forward, man. I think he's gonna be huge for us. So um just having a guy like that and having the guys like, you know, already on the team. In the culture, I feel like that's already been set. Shout out to Bill Clark, you know, for setting that culture. We needed that. We never had that culture here. And then having Brian Vincent being able to carry that, it just set it up for Trent. Just They just throw him an alley-oop, man. Mm-hmm. All he got to do is finish, you know. So I'm excited. I'm excited for the guys that I feel like we got a shot to bring in. And I'm, the, the reason, and the main reason I'm really excited because, you know, Trent Diffus media trained man, like he. Mm-hmm. This guy know how to talk, so uh, I, I think he's gonna be able to, you know, bring bring it home for us. No doubt, and we'll be uh, we'll uh, have something, um, you know, on when signing day happens next week. We'll we'll try to do something for the Blazer Victory podcast, and you know, put you guys out some content to listen to, um, and hopefully it'll be a big day. Hopefully it'll be a good day, December twenty first, and getting some uh, signings. Um, here at UAB. But Darren, we do have a bowl game this Friday at 1030. Uh, UAB faces the Miami, Ohio Red Hawks. Um, and in just a couple minutes, we'll roll our interview that we had with Steve Helwick um, of Hustle Belt and Underdog Dynasty. But honestly, <laughs> honestly, uh, Miami is a good team. Obviously, six wins. They beat a Power 5 team. Now, granted, that was Northwestern, but they still beat a Power 5 team. Um, they, they've had some kind of ups and downs this season. Um, but, you know, one thing that I loved uh, in our interview with Steve uh, that he mentioned to us, Darren, is that Miami, Ohio finishes strong every year. You know, those last few games of the season, it seems that uh, Chuck Martin is, a you know, a closer and he somehow finds a way to get his team bowl eligible every year, it seems. Um, but this team has been has some ups and downs. They're starting quarterback of the year. Um got hurt in the very first game uh, and then unfortunately, you know, got hurt later on in the season. Um, and that quarterback is uh, Gabbert, uh, Brett Gabbert. Uh, yes, that is a super younger son of a uh, Blaine Gabbert, a quarterback uh, who was at Missouri and is still in the NFL. And Avion Smith jumped in and uh, for this is a freshman quarterback, a dual threat quarterback and really almost like a run first quarterback. They love to run RPO with Avion and they've kind of done that all year. They love to spread it out. And so they still can be multiple, but they love to run RPO and run the quarterback. I mean, you look at Avion Smith, he's, he actually leads the team in rushing yards with 503 rushing yards and six touchdowns. <laughs> um, that's about it. <laughs> I mean, they, they're, they're, uh, they're, de- they're, you know, they're good. They're good on defense. They're, they, 
pride themselves in stopping the run. Um, however, I don't think they faced a rushing attack like UAB all year. Um, probably the closest they got to it was the last week of the season against Ball State, where they let Carson Steele, the running back for Ball State, get 180 yards on 26 carries. So they kind of struggled there. Um, I, I don't think Debo plays Friday. Darren, you agree? Yeah, I totally agree. It just doesn't doesn't really make sense. And then I think the, you know the the indication in the tea leaves was already out when you know, when Steve wrote the article on eighteen nineteen news about Jermaine Brown possibly being a, a thousand yard rusher, needing about one hundred and fifty something yards to reach that goal. And you know, and we, Debo's a selfless guy. And then Debo has a bright future ahead of him, whether whether we find a way to get him back to come back or whether he uh, opts to go to the NFL, you know, depending on what the draft grade is for him, I think it's important. Um, so, yeah, if I'm Debo, if I'm the coaching staff, I'm telling Debo, like, no, you're not playing in this game. Just come have fun. <laughs> like I, I agree. <laughs> I, if I'm the coaching staff, I'm telling. If you care about the kid, you tell him right. Well, this game will be okay. We we just want you to have fun and be with us and support us, and watch watch your brother get a thousand yards. Like we're gonna feed him the rock. Mm-hmm. You know? And then you know maybe Tavon Curry can get in there. I liked how Tavon Curry, Tavon Curry ran the ball mm-hmm. in practice and early in the year. So I'm. I want to see him get some reps. You know, I want to see A.J. Gates, and I want to see Lee Witherspoon. I want to see those guys, you know. Um, yeah, hopefully, and then we can see um, what the future holds for Debo. Hopefully, he'll he'll don the green and go one more time, depending on that draft grade. But if that draft grade is high, man, as Blazer fans, Blazer family, Debo, go get you. Go yeah, get he's, he got to go if he gets a good grade. Yeah. Well, Darren, let's go ahead and just give our predictions. Uh, you want to go first? I mean, I guess I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to y'all. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Like this is I, I usually do in depth deep dives on our teams. I Bahama Bowl, you know, like <laughs> got the I Bahama Bowl dived into this one. I kind of skimmed over, and then I, you know, just kind of read up a little bit on them, you know. Uh, just see that they're kind of like one-dimensional against a David Reeves defense is enough for me to say um, UAB 37, Miami of Ohio 17. Oh, we got it close. So my official hometown lenders Bahamas Bowl prediction is UAB 28. Miami, Ohio, 17. So we're kind of close to what we yeah. said. Yeah. But hey, hey, anything, I mean, nothing's going to surprise me. I mean, honestly, like, <laughs> if they go out there and get rolled, I mean, it's just, <laughs> hey. <laughs> I mean, I hope not, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> like, if they go out there and get rolled, I'll be, be kind of happy because I'm like, well, that means the guys really enjoyed themselves. Like, a little too much. <laughs> yeah, a little too much, and I'm down for that. I, I don't want them to lose. This is another. It, it, it could be another momentum builder, you know, bowl game win. Um, just to top off, just to send BB out the right way. Like that. That's, that's guys, a great point. Great point. Right. The guys love BB, and um, BB says he has earned that love and respect. And you know, you got that whole coaching staff. You know. 
Coach Cam on the offensive line, Coach Kyle Tate on the defensive line. Um, you know, um, we're gonna we still waiting to see, but Coach Brigham and running backs, I think it's a good chance that he might be back. But uh, you know, Coach David Reeves has been one hell like David Reeves is, has been one of the top defensive coordinators. I love Coach Reeves, man, great guy. One of the top coordinators in in this league. I mean, in NCAA. So. Just sending them out the right way. They, these guys have earned it and deserved it, and um, I would love to see that. Definitely. Well, all right, guys. Well, we'll go ahead and just roll our interview that we had with Steve Helwick. But as always, go Blazers. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Blazer Victory Podcast, where we are pleased to be joined by Steve Helwick. That covers Mac for Hustle Belt and also the Group of Five for Underdog Dynasty. Steve, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing excellent. It's that time of year in December that you always look forward to when the Bulls start. And I know we're going to talk Bahamas, and that's always one of my favorite ones because that usually kicks off the slate. It's on a Friday afternoon when not much else is going on in the sports world. So it's always one of the best times of the year for me. Yes, definitely agree. I I think I, I could speak for Darian uh, that we both <laughs> wish we could be there uh, live, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, covering the game in the Bahamas. But um, unfortunately, you know, but how things work out, we weren't able to go. Um, but have, have you ever made it out there to the Bahamas to, to cover one of the Bahamas Bowls? I have not. My family has always wanted me to go to that one. They're like, Steve, you got to go to the Bahamas. I <laughs> along with you. And then, nice. I up, then I end up in a bowl in Florida or Texas or Alabama instead every year. So <laughs> oh, Nice. Well, do you know where you're going this year? Do you, do you already know? Yes, I have a four-game bowl slate. I'm going to Frisco Bowl this weekend to cover North Texas versus Boise State, and then Armed Forces for Baylor Air Force next week. And then, just as a fan, I'm going to go to the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando for Florida State, Oklahoma, see how that one goes. Nice. And I'm closing out my coverage with the Cotton Bowl, Tulane, the AAC champion against USC. That should be a good one in Arlington. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's going to be a good one. Yeah. You know, you know that that North Texas one it intrigues me because uh, do they have an hit? Have they got a guy to coach the team yet? Yeah, I think they're Phil Bennett. Yeah. Oh, they did. They don't have an official head coach yet, but their defensive coordinator, Phil Bennett, is serving as okay. The he's just and the interim. Okay. The man that wears shorts no matter what kind of way. <laughs> hey, I'm the same. <laughs> hey, me too. Hey, uh, shorts and flip-flops, man. Let's go. <laughs> well, guys, uh, if you are not following Steve on Twitter, definitely go ahead and give him a follow at S underscore Helwick. You know, he does a great job. He's been doing – he's been a college football writer for years, for at least the last two, three years, I know, because I've been reading him. Uh, Steve, you do a great job, and hopefully you can help us out with this Miami-Ohio team. Um, so – Obviously, just starting off, you know, Chuck Martin, I mean, he's been there, what, almost a decade now uh, for the Red Hawks? Like, it seems that halfway through the year that the fan base was kind of upset at him, and it kind of seemed like maybe Chuck Martin was on the hot seat. But, I mean, making it to the Bahamas Bowl for him, I mean, that's got to kind of solidify him to stay at Miami for another year. Wouldn't you say so? Well, I think that stability is really important for a Mac school, and you don't really see it too often. We had it with Ohio when they had Frank Solich, 
but usually they're coaches that are getting coached by other schools or they're coaches that got fired. Like you just saw what happened at Western Michigan with Tim Lester after a while. So it's hard to find that middle ground, but it looks like Chuck Martin's found it where he's performing well enough where he has a Mac championship under his belt. He got his first bowl win last year, but he's not getting the 10 win seasons. Well, no team in the Mac's really getting 10 win seasons recently with the parody in this conference, but he's not getting the 10 win seasons to get him on the radar of other schools to try to hire him away. And one thing that Miami has done a really good job under Chuck Martin is they surge at the end of the year. Last year, they won five out of their last seven. This year, they had to win their last two to get full eligible. Heck, in 2016, they started 0-6 and became the first team ever to start 0-6 and become bowl eligible at 6 Wow. Chuck Martin's team finished the regular season strong, and that's been a theme recently. We saw it in 2019 when they won the MAC championship and they had an unlikely run in November. So that's what the theme of this team was again this year. They were MAC East favorites going into the season. They were expected to be in Detroit. But when you get your quarterback injured in game one of the year and he's out for all but four games, that's – uh, what's going to happen to your season it's going to be derailed pretty quickly but i think they did a good job of adjusting to that later on as the season progressed hey hey john i kind of like this chick martin guy he's like the college football embodiment of c's get degrees <laughs> yes, <laughs> right he's he hasn't had a loop in 2017 though right yeah but he's, there's a lot of 500 there he's gonna be good enough you know, just right there in that sweet spot. That's, that's what it seems like. Uh, could you tell us about, is it anybody in this bowl game? Is it some people that's not going to make it? Some people hit the transfer portal or any shakeups going on? The only Miami transfer that I know of at the moment is Brett Gabbert, their starting mm-hmm. quarterback. So, mm. But Brett Gabbert then announced he will stay at Miami next year. But I do not think he's going to play in this game because I think he missed a week of bowl prep when he was in that portal. And also, Gabbert has played exactly four games this year, and he can retain a redshirt by not playing. And I think that Avion Smith, the backup quarterback, he's Miami's got enough comfort with him this year where I think that they're fine throwing him out for this bowl game and seeing what happens there, even though Brett Gabbert's still their number one guy. Well, that is that's great. See, I, I didn't even know that he he had said that he was going to decide to come back to Miami because I saw where he hit the portal just a couple weeks ago, and I know that he had been struggling. Like he Gabbert got hurt uh, the first week of the season, I believe, and then he tried to come back and then got hurt again. Um, but you are correct that he only played four games, so he definitely gets a red shirt. Um, and, and for those that don't know, um, that is uh, Blaine Gabbert's uh, younger brother. Is that correct, Steve? That's correct. It's it's quite an age gap, but that is the young brother. <laughs> I was going to say, didn't he play like 15 years ago? <laughs> hey, he still plays in the NFL. He's still still on the Buccaneers roster, I believe. Oh, wow. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about Avion Smith. And Steve, what, you, you, what you've gotten to see out of Avion Smith, you know, a freshman, he, he came in um, it, it, just doing a lot of film study on this team. It, it seems that they love to run RPO with Avion Smith. And, I mean, you, you look at the stats, he's their leading rusher. You know, 503 yards, uh, six touchdowns on the ground, um, also nine touchdowns through the air. Um, was it just more of running him to get him more comfortable with the offense, would you say, Steve? Or is it just, hey, I mean, this is a dual-threat guy that, you know, he can turn on the burners and break one? I think it's more of the latter, that he's more just a dual-threat guy and the offense runs best through it. His passing numbers haven't been great. I mean, at times he looks like a freshman. His completion yeah. percentage here hovers under 49 percent 
and he, he can get a few deep throws to his top receivers like Mac Hip and Hammer every once in a while. But it's not like they're relying on Avion Smith to throw for even 200 yards a game. The only time he even hit 200 passing yards in a game was a season finale against Ball State. So most of the games, he's had single-digit completions, but he's so dynamic as a runner where it reminds me a little bit of Kentucky football when they had Lynn Bowden at the end of the 2019 season. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Where you don't want him passing more than 20 times a game at the moment, but he's so good of a runner that it still keeps your offense turning. And he's had breakaway performances. He's had a couple 100-yard games this year. He had a really good rushing outing to come back from a double-digit deficit to beat Ball State and qualify for bowl eligibility in the season finale. So he's a good runner, and he definitely gives a different profile to this offense. Because with Brett Gabbert, it's a lot of downfield shots. It's a passing attack. I mean, last year there were Miami receivers getting 280, 300 receiving yards in a game just because that's what Gabbert was capable of doing. But Chuck Martin had to readjust his offense under Avion Smith. So I think you can expect a lot more running in this one in Miami to keep this grounded, whether it's the quarterback who has the ball or the running backs. Yeah, it seems like he just does just enough passing just to keep the defense somewhat honest, I'm guessing. Yeah, and there, there have been times where he's won the game with passes this year. Uh, Kent State, Miami pulled off that upset over the Golden Flashes back in October on a, an end of the game, a third down call. Maybe it was a fourth down call where everybody on Kent State was selling out for the run, and he just completed a nice pass to the tight end. Miami does like to use a lot of tight end usage, so for short passes, you might see a lot of tar- targets in that direction for Avion Smith. Okay, cool. What about this um, Miami defense? I think they're a similar profile defense to what UAB is in terms of stature. Like, I think they have similar points per game ranks, similar yards allowed per game ranks. Except the difference is I'd say Miami's run defense is a little stronger than their pass defense, while UAB, I, I, uh, I see it as the opposite for them. And Miami has some really good linebackers. Ryan McWood and Matt Salapek, both of those guys have over 100 tackles this year. They combined for almost 14 tackles for loss. They're guys that will get in the backfield a lot. So going to play UAB, you want to have a stronger run defense than your pass defense. So I do like that element about Miami because UAB has as good as a running back as anyone in the country. I mean, I don't know how he wasn't on the Doak Walker top three finalist list. Because Dwayne Dwayne McBride was that insane this year. And his finale performance really solidified a season where he dominated from his first game to his last. So Miami, the focus is going to be on stopping McBride and Jermaine Brown for this game. So having a good run defense really helps. But at the end of the year, I thought that run defense didn't perform as well as it did in the first half of the season. And I did think, though, in Miami's finale, they played a team with similar play calling style to UAB, and that's Ball State. And Ball State has a running back that's kind of like Dwayne McBride and Carson Steele, who's just a guy that can break so many tackles and he could go off for those 200 yards a game where he doesn't really have stamina issues, where it seems like the more carries he gets, the better he gets. So Miami was able to withstand that Carson Steele avalanche in the final game of the season. But I think the Dwayne McBride might present a different animal for this defense because that guy can run. And Steve, I was going to say, I don't think Debo is going to play in the bowl game. We, we don't know hundred percent, but that's just my hunch. You know, he's, he's making the trip to the Bahamas, but I, you know, Darren and I kind of both agree that he's not going to play. Um, but I, I was going to 
ask you in watching that ball state film and watching I, I know how special carson still is and i believe he's in the transfer portal now um he'll probably go to maybe even a p5 school and uh perform well but kind of looking at that game i mean outside of the ball state game has miami really played a really good rushing offense I like because I, I know in the mac you know they love to sling it around and there are a bunch of good quarterbacks and a bunch of good wide receivers but have they really faced a good running back outside of carson still at ball state Yes, Kent State has Marquez Cooper, who okay. was the first all-MAC running back, and Miami's run defense performed so well against Kent State that game. They limited uh, Cooper to under 40 yards. They limited their mobile quarterback, Colin Schley, to under three yards a carry. I thought my, that was the game where I said, this Miami run defense is really legit. And they, they took uh, some of their lumps toward the end of the season, but they were a pretty dominant run defense throughout the year. I also played Cincinnati, which Cincinnati can be a little inconsistent in the run game. They didn't have the best performance against Charles McClellan that game, let him go for over 100 yards. But overall, I do think that Miami's run defense is probably their strongest aspect of their team if you break it down by rushing offense, passing offense, rushing defense, and passing defense. I would say just because of the linebacker core, especially with Ryan McWood and Matt Salopec, two guys that just always seem to be on the ball, those are the guys you want to watch in this game for the Red Hawks. Awesome. Well, Darren, did you have any other questions? I've just got one more that I was going to ask you. No, uh, no, I really don't have anything for right now. Okay. Well, Steve, uh, you know, I know you cover the Mac. Um, overall, do you think the Mac is trending up or downwards as far as like an overall product? And the reason why I ask is, you know, UAB is leaving Conference USA to head into the American. Um, but I did notice, you know, Conference USA's new TV deal is they're going to start slotting some Conference USA games on, you know, weeknights, like Wednesday nights, mm. uh, I believe in October. Like, is – I don't know. I, I, just, I know you cover the Mac, so I just want to get your overall just thoughts on how the Mac is trending right now. I really hate to say this because, I mean, I love the Mac, and Mac football is incredible, and I love watching weeknights. That's what, what really got me into writing about the Mac. I have no connection to any Mac schools. I'm from Texas. Uh, but <laughs> about the Mac is they haven't had a double-digit win champion since 2017. Mm. And that, that Toledo team in 2017, that was their last double-digit win champion, lost 34 to nothing in the Dollar General Bowl to App State that year. Mm. So ever since 2015, Western Michigan really captured the nation by storm. The Mac hasn't had that team that cracks the national rankings and really captivates the attention of college football fans. They had the 2020 pandemic season where they played a conference only schedule and Buffalo and ball state finished ranked. But due to the conference only schedule, we don't know how they would have performed in non-conference play recently. The Mac hasn't had the best showing in non-conference play. Two of its bowl eligible teams lost to FCS teams this year. And one thing that also rough about them is when you look at the transfer portal, you see so many first team all Mac guys transferring with plenty of years of eligibility remaining. Carson Steele, I just named the true sophomore. He's going to the transfer portal. Marquez Cooper, Kent State's first team all running back transfer portal. Uh, Kent State's two first team all Mac receivers transfer portal. Uh, Gabbert was in there before testing the waters and deciding to opt out. So I think with the transfer portal now, a lot of these Mac guys are trying to get more exposure maybe when they're budding stars. Because if you look at recent Mac stars, you saw Jarrett Patterson from Buffalo. He would get 300 rushing yards a game, and he's one of the greatest college running backs I've ever seen. He deserved to be drafted in the NFL, but I think the lack of exposure 
might have been one of the factors that prevented him because he had all the tools. He had the break tackle ability. He had the speed. He had the performances. But why wasn't he drafted? It was just like, I think he needed more exposure and his name to be out there more going into the draft. So I do think that a lot of guys are going to see things like that and they're going to hit the transfer portal for other opportunities. And the fact that the Mac can't really have that dominant team that captivates the nation like 2016 Western Michigan, I think that's been an issue for the conference recently. I mean, you're getting eight and six champions every year. Right now, Toledo's going into a bowl game at eight and five against Liberty. They're the conference champion this year. And the Mac champion has only won, uh, let's see, I think the Mac champion has only won one bowl game since 2012. Mm. And that would be. That would be 2020 Ball State beat San Jose State. That is the only MAC champion that's won a bowl game since 2012. So that's another thing that the conference really needs to reverse course on. Yeah, and that was the COVID year too. So mm. yeah, it just it just it just sucks uh, to see a conference, you know, kind of become a developmental league for P5. It's going to be hard to build up, you know, to uh, to be able to face these teams. Um, if you can't keep your your star players, uh, it, you know it's going to be hard to program build when you put so much into helping develop these guys, and then they take that development and say, "Hey, yeah, hey, you know, whatever Mississippi State or somebody, yeah, I'm, I'm transferring or you know Purdue or something." So um, hopefully we can do something to they can do something in the future to help change that. I thought the transfer portal in the beginning was going to be a tool that was going to be good for smaller conferences, but hey, it, this, this is what it's turned into for right now. So hopefully, man, um, the Mac can get, get the course reversed. Yeah, it goes both ways, but I feel like the output's been greater than the input lately. Yeah. And another, you know, point to, you know, kind of hit on what Steve was saying is that, you know, you look at Kent state, like Sean Lewis, leaving a head coaching role at Kent State to go be an offensive coordinator at Colorado under Dion. Like, um, I don't know. And I don't know if you're the Mac, what can you do? Like, you can't give up the weeknight because, I mean, that's – let's be honest, that's how people know the Mac is from watching Tuesday night, Wednesday night games. So, I don't I don't really know what you can do. You know, I, I th- you know they kind of explored expansion uh, to, you know, kind of grab Western Kentucky and Middle Tennessee, um, but that didn't work out. So, I honestly do not know. I don't know what the Mac can do um, other than like Steve mentioned, start to win those non-conference games and start to kind of build more respect. And then right. maybe you can go that route. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, but Steve, thank you so much for coming on the Blazer Victory podcast. Guys, if you are listening to us now and you are not following Steve Helwick on Twitter, give him a follow at S underscore Helwick on Twitter. Puts out great content and content. And as he mentioned earlier, he's going to be live at four bowl games. So definitely hit the follow button. And check out his bowl game coverage. Steve, thanks again for coming on, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to this game on Friday. Yes, we are too. And Darian and I will be back uh, Friday afternoon, evening sometime to give an instant reaction to the Bahamas bowl game. But Darian, you want to close us out? Hey, Blazer Nation, let's ride. Bahamas bowl style.